The Capital Ideas Podcast now has a new monthly edition hosted by Capital Group CEO Mike Gitlin. Investment professionals reveal their best mentors, how they find their next great idea, and a few funny stories. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. American Funds Distributors, Inc. The countdown has begun. From May 14th to 16th, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Carter Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg. Join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections, gain unique insights and uncover valuable opportunities in one of the world's most rapidly rising regions. Request your invite for this exclusive event at QatarEconomicForum.com. The joining us now is uh, Ken Pang. Pang. He's Asia Pacific Investment Strategist at City Private Bank, getting the latest on markets. And Ken, thank you so much for joining us. Okay, we saw a lot of the investment houses turning positive on China. And uh, one of the reasons was, of course, that it looked like we were reopening. But then the COVID came back and really smacked people in the face. And on top of that, it did seem as though the regulatory uh, situation was perhaps over us. And then Ant, gets, uh, Ant Group gets slapped by $1 billion fine. Now, is that good news in the sense that it perhaps draws a line under everything or is it the beginning of another set of regulations and more red tape etc and anti um anti-tech news thank you for having me first of all um so yeah i think i, I think this uh, probably now slightly positive side on this ant news i mean look uh, okay we get it right if you make money from taking money out of consumer pockets that's politically incorrect if you do too much of it um so we get we get it now Make a decision and let's move on, right? So I think this is one of those moving on decisions um, to to have this fine. And uh, I think you know go, going into 2023, one of the biggest market anticipations is when will Ant come back for the to the IPO market? And I think there's a high likelihood that it does. So, Ken, when you look at uh, let's say other companies on the mainland that play in the same space, e-commerce, consumer facing, are are you confident? on the ability of the Chinese consumer to contribute much to growth? Or are they become maybe a little fatigued from the COVID situation, the property market implosion? I mean, how are consumers on the mainland feeling right now, in your view? Well, pretty terrible. I think um, this, uh, this, this, this wave currently going on is, um, is, is, uh, is pretty, pretty negative for sentiment, obviously. Um, but look, I mean, last year, well, I mean, this year, sorry, 2022, Consumers' contributions growth is what, one and a half percent to GDP. Um, so that's pretty low, right? And even if we just return to a, say, three percent type of contribution next year, that will still be lower than what it was in 2019. And 2019 was the lowest it's had since '97, right? So, so you know, you know, the consumer is very much humbled, and if there is going to be more uh, wider reopening. Uh, I think there's plenty to bounce back from, um, but you know it's not going to be a very um, uh, 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 immediate uh, situation. Yeah. Yeah. Ken, very very quickly. I mean, does it is the bounce back as great as it is in other parts of the world? Very very quickly in about ten seconds. Uh, yeah, I, th- I, th- I think so. I think it, it could it could it could be spreading. I mean, there it, it could be better uh, um, reopening trade uh, across Asia. Um, this year, the next year as well. Okay, we, we looked at perhaps some of those uh, regulatory t- storm clouds disappearing, but you know the other aspect is we saw a lot of optimism that it was getting more investable, or at least that was the thinking in China. I and mean, there's a whole, uh, you know, a gamut of different valuation metrics that you can use, which would prove that this is very cheap. But it's cheap for a reason, right, Ken? And those reasons are still there. 
Yes, those reasons have not completely gone away. For example, you know, the Shanghai the new measures in Shanghai and Beijing and a few other cities to uh, to contain COVID. But I think the whole the whole uh, idea is uh, after the Party Congress decision had been made that uh, you know restoring economic activity is a higher priority. Um, and uh, managing, uh, well, COVID zero policy is kind of something that they try to manage out, but obviously uh, this is a bad time and we're having a global wave and, uh, you know, a lot of governments are facing uh, trouble dealing with this one. And so, so you know, we're not, we're not going to see, I guess, the next step, uh, perhaps until the spring. Um, but I think the, the, the political imperative to, um, to COVID zero lockdowns has passed and, uh, and now the, there's more focus on the economy. I think that, that part we can be relatively comfortable about. So if you want to remedy the situation there, do you use monetary policy to do it? It seems that the PBOC is a little resistant to supplying a more, much more in the way of liquidity. Um, I'm wondering whether we're going to see a lot more in the way of fiscal stimulus in China. What do you think? Yeah, actually, monetary policy has been pretty loose. Uh, credit growth is actually very robust uh, for all of this year. And, and so it's, it's not monetary policy job anymore. Right? It, ha, it, ha, it has to be, it's not even fiscal, it's, it's administrative, right? So, so I think, I think the, um, the, the, the way the fiscal policy can, can help is uh, on the property side, uh, make sure the you know, projects are completed, make sure that the expectation for additional contagion is stopped. And you know, they've, gone, they've gone a decent way with these uh, 16 measures of, uh, of financing for for, uh, for real estate, um, but but again, you know, this this, this is, has to be done in conjun- conjunction with the with the COVID policy, and um, you know, there's some delays here. So so I think the initial uh, you know 25% rally has been about uh, you know reversing the excessive bearishness in October. Now we need to see more proof that these, the results are coming in. Ken, I mean, are you finding, you know, from as a private banker, are you getting more inquiries from your uh, clients here about what they should be investing in China rather than should I invest in China? Yes, there's definitely more inquiries about that. Um, I, I think, well, there's two camps. One is that, uh, you know, is, is, is it time to, to sell the rally? Um, and we think the answer is no. Um, and uh, the other camp is, you know, what can we do? I think, you know, the, the, the safer bet is still basically industries that are consistent with uh, national policy towards technological self-reliance, right? So I think those are um, things that we're focusing on. One of the things that we've been describing after the party congress is this lack of intellectual diversity within the upper echelons of uh, the Chinese government. And I'm wondering whether you think the lack of um, maybe... I don't want to say necessarily contradictory voices, but certainly voices that can challenge conventional thinking. I mean, it seems like there is so much like-mindedness right now, and I'm wondering whether or not you think that's going to hinder overall growth in China. I, I think I think I think it will. Um, the the longer term view has probably broader out broader potential outcomes now. Um, but I also look at it this way: the the number of people with uh, you know advanced science and engineering degrees in the 205-member um, central committee is, uh, has, I think, has gotten to 35%. So, so that's, um, that's an interesting, interestingly consistent um, you know, outturn uh, compared to what this national goal is in, co- in, uh, you know, in terms of trying to achieve more uh, technological 
self-reliance. Ken, thank you so much for joining us. Ken Pang there. Uh, there we go, just having a look at China markets. He's Asia-Pacific investment strategist. From Silicon Valley to Wall Street, the promise and perils of artificial intelligence are playing out on the world stage. But what will the next phase of AI adoption look like? Which companies from big tech to startups will dominate? And where do the risks and unintended consequences lie? I'm Emily Chang. Join me at Bloomberg Tech in San Francisco, May 9th, to answer many of the industry's burning questions. Alongside SNAP's Evan Spiegel, Xbox President Sarah Bond, OpenAI's Brad Lightcap, top researcher Dr. Fei-Fei Li of Stanford, and many more. More details and just a few tickets left at Bloomberg.com slash TechSF.